Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. last chapter of a series of unfortunate events book the 11th the grim grotto chapter 13 the water cycle consists of three phenomena evaporation precipitation and collection and the collection the third of these phenomena is the third of the phenomena that makes up what is generally known as the water cycle this phenomenon known as as collection is the process of gathering water and gathering of water in the oceans lakes and rivers and ponds, reservoirs and puddles in the world so that it will eventually go through the phenomena of evaporation and precipitation, thus beginning the water cycle all over again. It is a tedious thing for the reader to find in this book, of course, that I hope my description of the water cycle has bored you enough to this point that you will book that you would have put this book down a long time ago and you will not read chapter 13 of the grim grotto any more than the Baudelaire orphans will ever read the chapter 39 of mushroom minute no matter how crucial such a chapter might be. But however tedious the water cycle is to the readers, it must be a very tedious it must be very tedious indeed to the drops of water who participated in the cycle once over and over again. Occasionally, when I pause while reading while writing my chronicles of the Baudelaire orphans, and my eyes turn back upward from my desk to look at the evening sky the purple color of which explains my expression, the violet hour. I imagine myself as drops of water, especially if it's raining, or if I ask my, or, oh my gosh, or if my desk is floating on a reservoir, I think how ghastly it would be to turn, I think how ghastly it would feel to be yanked away from my comrades when we when we were gathered in a lake or a puddle and forced into the sky through the process of evaporation. I think it's, I think how terrible it would feel to be exhausted or to be chased by a cloud by the process of the precipitation and tumbled to earth like a sugar bowl. And I think of how heartbroken it would feel to gather once more in a body of water and feel during the process of the collection that I had reached this last safe place so that the only to have the tables turn and evaporate into the sky once more as the tedious cycle started all over again. This is the awful, this is awful to contemplate this sort of life in which it would always be forced to be mentioned in a variety of mysterious and powerful forces, never saying, staying anywhere for long, never finding a safe place that one could call home and never able to turn the tables for very long, just as the Baudelaire orphans found it awful to contemplate their own lives as Fiona betrayed them and so many of their other companions. See, she did, she did join Olaf, or maybe it's a trick. Peyton's not telling us, huh, Peyton? Nope. They had betrayed them before, just when it seemed that they might break out of the tedious cycle of the unfortunate events in which they found themselves trapped. Tell them, triangle eyes, Count Olaf said with a wicked smile. Tell the Baudelaire's that you've joined up with me. It's true, Fiona said, but behind her triangular eyes were downcast, a word here which means looking sadly at the floor. Count Olaf said that if I helped him destroy the last safe place, they'd help me find my stepfather. But Count Olaf and your stepfather are enemies, Violet cried. They're on the opposite sides of the schism. 
I wouldn't be too sure about that, Esme Squalor said, her her suction cups dragging along the floor as she stepped through the broken porthole. After all, Captain Wittershins abandoned you. Maybe he's decided the volunteers are out, and we're in. My brother and stepfather and I couldn't be together again, Fiona said quietly. Don't you understand, Baudelaire's? And of, of course they don't understand, Count Olaf cried. Ha ha, halfwits. Those brats spent their lives reading books instead of chasing after fortunes. Now, let's remove all of the valuables from the Queequeg, and we'll look up at the orphans, or look the orphans up in the brig. You won't get away from us this time, the hook-handed man said, talking to the tail... Telegati Grande, I mean Ariana Grande, from behind his back and whirling the noodle in the air. We didn't get away from you last time, Klaus said. You helped us sneak over there to have sun- to save Sunny. You said you wanted to come with us to escape in the Queequeg and join the VFD in the last safe place. VFD, the hook-handed man said. With one of his scornful flicks of his hook, he propped, popped one of the balloons Phil had used to decorate the main hall for Violet's birthday. All those silly volunteers with their precious libraries and complicated codes. They're fools, every last one of them. I don't want to sit around reading idiotic books. He who hesitates is lost. Or she, Fiona said. I. Yes, Count Olaf said. Let's not hesitate a moment longer. Hookie, let's get, let's tour this submarine and steal anything we want. I want to come too, Esme said. I need a new fashionable outfit. No, you follow me, Count Olaf said, pushing him ahead of him. I'm in charge. But County, Carmelita whined, jumping up on the wooden table and twirling around awkwardly. I want to go first because I'm a tapping ballerina dance. Ba- I'm a tapping ballerina, fairy, princess, veterinarian. Of course you will go first, precious, as May said. You get whatever your adorable little heart desires, right? I guess so, Olaf muttered. And tell Triangle Eyes to stay here and guard the orphans, Carmelita said. I don't want her to take all the good stuff for herself. Guard the orphans, triangle eyes, Count Olaf said, although I don't think you orphans really need to be guarded after all. There's nowhere for you to go. Teehee traction. Giggle, giggle, gaudy, Carmelita cried, and leading out of the way of the main hall. Ha ha, hair trigger, Esme screamed, following. Teehee, tick and sell me, Count Olaf shrieked, walking behind his girlfriend. I also find this amusing, the hook-handed man yelled, but and slammed the door behind them, leaving the Baudelaire's alone with Fiona traitor sunny said sunny's right violet don't do this fiona there's still time to change your mind and to stay noble of, on the noble side of the schism we've received a volunteer factual dispatch klaus said holding up the telegram vfd is in desperate need of our services for most for a most urgent matter we're meeting the volunteers at briny beach you should come with us fiona green hut sunny cried which means something like you could be of of, of enormous help but fiona didn't even wait for the translation you wouldn't abandon your sister, the mycologist said. I, you risk your lives to save Sunny. How can you ask me to abandon my brother? Your brother is a wicked person, Violet said. People aren't either are either aren't either wicked or noble. Fiona said, they're like a chef salad. Klaus picked up the photograph from the table and handed it to Fiona. This doesn't look like a chef salad to me. It looks like your it looks like a family. Is this what your family would have would have done to you, Fiona? sent three children to the brig while you help a villain his treacherous schemes fiona looked at the picture and blinked 
back tears behind the triangular glasses. My family is lost, she said. I, my mother is dead. I, my father moved away. I, my stepfather has abandoned me. I, and my brother may not be as wonderful as you, Baudelaire's, but I, he's the only family that I have. I, I'm staying with him. I, stay with him if you must, Violet said, but let us go. Rendezvous, Sunny said. Take us to Brindy Beach, Klaus transmitted. Translated. We must be on the opposite side. We might be on the opposite side of this schism, Fiona, but that doesn't mean that we can't help one another. Fiona sighed and looked at the Baudelaire's and then the photograph of her family. I could turn my back, she said, instead of guarding you, and we could take the Quiquug to, Violet said, and escape. Fiona frowned and put the photograph back on the table. If I let you go to Briny Beach, she said, what will you do for me? I'll teach you how to repair submarines, Violet said, gesturing to the telegram device. You could restore the Queequeg to its former glory. I don't need the Queequeg anymore, Fiona said. I am part of the crew of Carmelita. I'll give you back your commonplace book, Klaus said. Hold- I'll give you my commonplace book, Klaus said, holding out his dark blue notebook. It's full of important secrets. Count Olaf knows more secrets than you'll ever learn, Fiona replied. Mumph, the children looked down and saw Sunny, who had slipped away under while the others were talking and was now walking unsteadily back through the door marked kitchen dragging her dragging her hel- her diving helmet don't touch that sunny violet cried there's very dangerous fungus in there and we don't even have any more of the antidote my collo sunny said and lay the helmet at fiona's feet sunny's right klaus said looking at the helmet and shuddering inside the helmet was a bugaboo of my col- mycological panthen the my med- medusoid mycelium I thought you destroyed it, Fiona said. No, Violet said. The medusoid, my medusoid grows best in enclosed spaces. You said that the poison, uh, poison of the deadly fungus can be the source of somebody's wonderful medicines. This is a very valuable species of for a mycologist like yourself. That's true, Fiona admitted quietly and looked down at the helmet. But the Baudelaire's looked down too, remembering their terrible journey through the grotto. They remembered how cold and dark it was when they left the Queequeg and drifted through the caravan or through the cavern and horrifying, horrifying sight of the medusoid mycelium tapping them at the eerie cave that stalked the caps and wait that what what, 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 what? until the stalks and caps waned away. They remember that the, they remembered their chilly journey back down to the submarine and dreadful discoveries of the missing crew and the mushrooms sprouting inside Sunny's helmet, and the image of the octopus submarine on the on the screen and the villain who was waiting for them as they tumbled inside. We're back, Count Olaf announced, bursting back into the main hall with his comrades behind him. Esme and Carmelita were peeking into a small shiny box, and the hook-handed man was staggering under the weight of the uniform and the diving helmets as he was carrying them. There wasn't much to steal, I'm afraid. That submarine is not quite up to its former glory. Still, I found some jewelry hidden in a box and in the barracks with a few valuable items. I think this ruby ring is very in, Esme purred. It would look wonderful with my flame-imitating dress. That was my mother's, Fiona said quietly. She would have wanted me to have it, Esme. Or she would have wanted me to have it, Esme said quickly. We were close friends at school. I want the necklace. I want the necklace, Carmelita demanded. It goes perfectly with my veteran stethoscope. Give it to me, County. I wish we had those carnival freaks with us, the hook-handed man said. They could help us carry all these uniforms. Well, we'll see them at, at the Hotel Dumont, Count Olaf said, along with the rest of my comrades. Well, let's get out of here. We have lots to do before we arrive. Triangle eyes, take the orphans to the brig. Who, ha, ha, hula dance. 
Humming a ridiculous tune, the villain performed a few dance steps in triumph only to stumble over the diving helmet on the floor. Carmelita giggled nastily as Olaf reached down and rubbed his tattooed ankle. Ha ha, county, cried Carmelita. My dance recital is better than yours. Get this hat out of here, triangle eyes, Count Olaf snarled, and he bent down and picked up the helmet and started started to hand it to Fiona, but the hook-handed man stopped him. I think you'll want that. You'll want that helmet for yourself, boss, the henchman said. I I prefer smaller, lighter hat, Count Olaf said, but I appreciate your gesture. What my brother means, Fiona explained, is that inside the helmet is the medusoid mycelium. The Baudelaire's gasped and looked at one another in horror as Olaf peered through the helmet's tiny window with the eyes wide beneath his brow. The medusoid mycelium, he murmured, his tongue and he ran his tongue thoughtfully over his teeth. Could it be? Impossible, Esme Squalor said. That fungus was destroyed long ago. Well, they brought it with them, the hook-handed man said. That's why the baby was so sick. This is marvelous, Olaf thought, as the voice, as his voice was raspy and wheezy, as if he were poisoned. As soon as you Baudelaire's are in the brig, I'm going to open the helmet and toss it inside. You'll suffer and I'll, like I've always wanted you to do. That's not what we should do, Fiona said. That's a very valuable specimen. Esme stopped, stepped forward and draped two of the tentacles around Olaf's neck. Triangle eyes is right, she said. You don't want to waste the fungus on the orphans. Besides, you need one of them alive to get the fortune. That's true, Olaf agreed, but... And the idea of these orphans not being able to breathe is awfully attractive. But I think the fortunes, but think of the fortunes we can steal, Esme said. The most, think of the people we can boss around with a medusoid mycelium Um, in our grasp. And who can stop us now? No one, Count Olaf cackled in triumph. Ha ha, Hunan chicken. Ha ha, Humanstaschen. Ha ha, hors d'oeuvres. Ha, ha, ha. But the Baudelaire's child, Baudelaire children never learned what ridiculous word Olaf was going to mum, mumble as he interrupted himself to point across the main hall at a screen on the wall. The screen looked like a piece of graph paper lit up by a green screen, and the center of the a center were both a growing letter Q representing the Queequeg and a glowing eye representing the terrible octopus submarine that had devoured them. But at the top of the screen was another shape, one that they had almost forgotten about. It was a small curved tube with a small, with a small circle at the end of it, slithering downward to the screen like a snake or an enormous question mark. Or some terrible evil children could something some, the terrible something terrible ev- terribly evil that the children couldn't even imagine. What's that cake sniffing shape? asked Carmelita Spatz. It looks like a big comma. Shush, Olaf hissed, putting his filthy hand over Carmelita's spat's mouth. Silence, everyone. We must get out of here, Esme murmured. This octopus is no match for that thing. You're right, Olaf muttered. Esme, go get our whip rowers and they'll go faster. Hooky, store those uniforms. Triangle eyes, take that orphan take the orphans to the brig. What about me? Carmelita asked. I'm the cutest, so I should get to do something. I guess you'd better come with me, Count Olaf said, but no tap dancing. I don't want to show up in their sonar. Ta-da, cake sniffers, Carmelita said, waving their pink wand at the terrible siblings, at the three siblings. You're so stylish, darling, Esme said. It's like I always said, you can't be too rich or too in. 
the two wicked females jumped through the broken porthole and out of the Queequeg, followed by the hook-handed man who gave the Baudelaire's an awkward wave. But before Count Olaf exited, he paused, standing at the wooden table, and drew his long, sharp sword to point to the children. "'Your luck is over at last,' he said in a terrible voice. "'For far too long you kept defeating my plans and escaping my clutches.'" Um, a happy cycle for you orphans has un, unprofitable un, one for me. But now the tables have turned, Baudelaire's. You finally run out of places to run, and soon we'll get. As soon as we get away from that, he pointed to the sonar screen, and raised his eyebrows. You'll see that the cycle has finally been broken. You should have given up a long time ago, orphans. I triumphed the moment you lost your family. We didn't lose our family, Violet said. Only our parents. You lost everything, orphans. Count Count Olaf replied, wait and see. Without another word, he leapt the porthole and disappeared into his ghastly mechanical octopus, leaving the Baudelaire's alone with Fiona. Are you going to take us to the brig? Klaus asked. No, Fiona said. Aye, I'll let you escape if you can, but you better hurry. S- I'll set a course, Violet said, and Klaus, read this t- the title charts. Serve cake, Sonny said. Fiona smiled and looked around at the main study hall. Take good care of the Queequeg. Uh, take good care of the Queequeg, she said. I'll miss it, I. I'll miss you, Klaus said. Won't you come with us, Fiona? Now that Count Olaf and the Medusoid Mycelium... All we need, we need all the help that we can get. Don't you want to finish the submarine's mission? We never found the sugar bowl. We never found your stepfather. We never finished anything. We never finished that code that we were going to invent. Fiona nodded sadly and walked to the wooden table. She picked up the mushroom minuti and acted, then acted contrary to her personal philosophy, a phrase here which means hesitated for a moment and faced the middle Baudelaire. When you think of me, she said, think of food that you love very much and she leaned forward and kissed klaus gently on the mouth ew ew and disappeared through the porthole without so much of an eye the three baudelaire's uh, listened okay the three baudelaire's listened as the mycologist footsteps as she joined count olaf and his comrades and left them behind She's gone, Klaus said, as if she could, he could hardly believe it himself. He lifted one trembling, trembling hand to his face as if Fiona had given him a slap instead of a kiss. How could she leave? He asked. She betrayed us. She betrayed me. She betrayed all of us. How could somebody so wonderful do something so terrible? I guess her brother was right, Violet said, putting an arm around her brother. People aren't either wicked or noble. Correct, Dona, Sunny said, which meant Fiona was right. We'd better hurry if we want to escape from the Carmelita before Olaf notices we're not in the brig. I'll set a course for Briny Beach, Violet said. Klaus took one last look at the porthole where Fiona had disappeared and nodded. I'll look at the title charts, he said. Amnesi, Sunny said, and she means something along the lines of, you're forgetting something, and she pointed her finger in the small circle glass on the floor. Sunny's right, Klaus said. We can't launch the submarine without repairing the porthole or we'll drown. But Violet was already halfway up the rope ladder that led to the Queequeg's controls. You'll have to repair that yourself. Yourself, Sunny, she called down. Crook, Sunny said, and crook and teeth. We don't have the time to argue, Klaus said, grimly pointing at the sonar. The question mark was inching closer and closer to the queue. Aye, Klaus, aye, Sunny said, and hurried to the glass on the floor. But it was it was still intact, but the youngest Baudelaire could think of nothing that could reattach 
the circle to the wall of the submarine. I think I found the, the location of the device, Violet called down from the Klee-Klug's controls. She quickly flipped a switch and waited impatiently as the screen came to life. It looks like we're 14 nautical miles southeast of Gregor Gorgonian Grotto. Does that help? Aye, Klaus said, running his fingers through the charts. We need to travel straight north to Briny Beach. It shouldn't be far. But how are we going to get out of Carm the Carmelita? I guess we're going to have to fire up the engine, Violet said, and I'll try and steer us back through the tunnel. Have you ever steered a submarine before, Klaus asked nervously? Of course not, Violet said. We're in uncharted waters, aye. Aye, Klaus said, and looked up proudly at his sister. The two boatlers could not help but grinning for the moment before. Violet pulled a large lever, and the familiar whirling sound of the Queequeg's engine filled the main hall. Gangway, Sunny cried, squeezing the path, the path, squeezing past Klaus as she raced towards the kitchen. Violet and Klaus heard their sister fumbling around for a moment, and then the youngest Baudelaire returned, carrying two boxes that the siblings recognized from their time in Paltryville. Gum, she cried triumphantly, already ripping the wrappers off of several pieces and sticking them into her mouth. Good idea, Sunny, Violet cried. The gum can act as an adhesive and the and stick the porthole port hole back together. That thing... That thing is getting closer, Klaus said, pointing to the screen. We'd, we'd better get the submarine moving. Sunny can do the repair while we work, and I move through the tunnel. I'll need your help, Klaus said. Violet, stand in the, Violet said, stand in the porthole and let me know which way to turn. Aye. Aye, Klaus replied. Aye, Sunny replied, her mouth full of gum. The elder Baudelaire's remembered that their sibling had been too young for gum when they were children, working in the lumber mill, and they could hardly believe that she had grown up enough to be stuffing handfuls of sticky substances in her mouth. Which way should I go? Violet called from the controls. Klaus peered over the porthole. Right, he called back, and the queer cred launched into the travel, lurched to the, to the right, traveling with the difficulty in the little water at the bottom of the tunnel there was an enormous scraping sound and the Baudelaire's heard a loud splash from inside of the pipes i mean left klaus said quickly you and i are facing opposite directions left i violet cried and the submarine lurched itself in the opposite direction through the porthole as the Baudelaire's could see with where they were moving away from the platform where olaf had first greeted them sunny spat a huge wad of gum into the glass circle and spread it around with her hands into the, on the circle's edge. Right, Klaus cried, and Violet turned the Queequeg right again, narrowly missing the turn of the passageway. The elder Baudelaire's looked nervously on the sonar screen where the sinister shape was moving closer and closer to them. Left, Klaus cried. Left and down, the submarine lurched and sank through the porthole in the middle and the middle Baudelaire caught a brief glimpse of the rowing room with Esme holding the, the Ariana Grande threateningly on the fake tentacle. Sunny hurried, hurriedly stuffed more gum into her mouth, moving her enormous, moving her enormous, enormous teeth furiously to soften the candy. Left again, Christ, Klaus cried, and then a very sharp right. And when I say now, now, called back, no. Klaus said and held his hand up as Sunny spit more gum. Now! The submarine launched violently right into sending several objects tumbling from the wooden table. Sunny, Sunny ducked to avoid being knocked by the in the head by the poetry of T.S. Eliot. Sorry for the bumps, bumps, Violet cried from the top of the ladder. I'm still getting the hang of these controls. What's next? Klaus peered out the porthole. Keep going straight, he said. We shouldn't exit the octopus. 
And we should exit the octopus. Help, Sunny cried, spreading the rest of the gum on the edge of the circle. Klaus hurried to the other side and Violet raced down the rope ladder to help, leaving the submarine's controls alone so the Queequeg could travel straight in a line. Together, the three Baudelaire's picked up the glass circle and climbed up to the wooden table so that they could put the porthole back together. I hope it holds, Violet said. If it doesn't, Klaus said, we'll know soon enough. On three, Sunny said, which meant something like, after I say one, two, one, do. Three, the Baudelaire said, as and the Baudelaire orphans in this unis, in unison and pressed the glass circle against the hole that Olaf had cut, something smoothing the chewing gum around the cracks that might hold firm, just as the Queequeg tumbled out of the mechanical octopus into the chilly waters of the ocean. The Baudelaire's pushed again against the porthole together, their arms stretching out against the glass as if they were trying to keep someone from coming in the door. A few revolutes, a word here which means tiny streams of water, dripped through the gum, but suddenly, but Sunny hurried and patted that sicky substance into place to stop the leaks. Her tiny hands smoothed the gum over the edges of the circle, making sure that her handiwork was strong enough that the children wouldn't drown. But when she heard her siblings gasp, she looked up from the, from her work and looked through the, the repaired porthole and stared in amazement at what she saw. In the final analysis... A phrase here which means after much thought and some debate my colleagues the after some m- thought oh my god after much thought and some debate with my colleagues captain Wittersham was wrong about many great things he was wrong about his personal philosophy because there were plenty of times that one should hesitate he was wrong about his wife's death because fiona as fiona suspect, su- suspected miss Wittershins did not die in the in a main tea accident in a manatee accident he was wrong to call dr phil cookie when it was more polite to call him something some something like his proper name and he was wrong to abandon the queequeg no matter how he heard from the woman or who came to fetch him captain widdershins was wrong to trust his stepfather for many years and wrong to participate in the destruction of the Anne whistle aquatics and he was wrong to insist that he did so many years ago and the story of the daily punctilio was still completely true and had to show the article so many volunteers including the baudelaire parents the snicket siblings and the woman who was a woman i happen to love but Captain Wittershins was right about one thing. He was right to say that there were secrets in the world too terrible for young people to know. For the simple reason that there are no secrets in this world too terrible for anyone to know, whether they are young, as sunny, or Baudelaire, or as old as Gregor and Whistle. Secrets so terrible that they ought to be kept secret, which is probably how the secrets became secrets in the first place. And one of those secrets is a long, strange shape that the Baudelaire saw first on the Queequeg sonar, and now they had now as they held the porthole into place staring into the waters of the sea night had fallen monday night so the view of the outside was very dark and the baudelaires could scarcely see this enormous sinister shape they couldn't tell they couldn't even tell just as i just as i just as I will not tell, if it was some horrifying mechanical device such as a submarine or some ghastly creature of the sea, they merely saw an enormous shadow circle, curling its, and uncurling in the water as if one, as if Olaf's one eyebrow had grown into an enormous beast that was roaming in the sea like a shadow as chilling as a villain's glare, as dark as a villain himself. And the Baudelaire orphans had never seen anything so utterly eerie that they found themselves sitting 
still as statues, pressing against the porthole in utter hush. It was probably this hush that saved them, for the sinister shape curled once more and began to fade into into the blackness of water. Shush, Violet said, although no one had spoken. It was... It was the gentle, low shushing of, of one that might comfort a baby crying in the middle of the night or whatever tragedy that keeps babies awake in their crib and keeps other members of the family standing vigil, a phrase here which means keeping nearby to make sure everyone is safe. It does not really mean anything, this shuddering sound, and yet the younger Baudelaire's did not ask their sister what she meant and merely stood at the vigil with, the sh- uh, with her as the shape disappeared into the ocean as uh, ocean of the night and the children were safe once more without a word violet took her hands off of the glass and climbed the table and resumed her place at the queequeg's controls for the rest of their journey none of the children spoke as if unearthly spell with terrible secret shapes were still lingering over them and all night long in the morning violet worked the levers and switch and switches of the submarine to make sure it stayed on course Klaus marked their path on the chart to try to make sure that they were still heading in the right place, and Sunny served a slice of Violet's birthday cake and to her fellow volunteers, but none of the three volunteers spoke until the giant bump rocked against the Queequeg and the submarine came to a gentle stop. Violet climbed down the rope ladder and ducked underneath the pipe, peering through the periscope, just as Captain Wittersons must have peered through, peered at the Baudelaire's up in the Mortmain Mountains. We're here, she said, and the three Baudelaire's le- left the main hall and walked down the leaky corridor to the room that they had first climbed aboard in the submarine. Valve, Sunny said. We shouldn't have to activate the valve, Sunny said. When I looked through the periscope, I saw Briny Beach, so we can simply climb up the ladder at the at at end and end up where where we were. Klaus said a long time ago. Without any further discussion, the Baudelaire children climbed up the ladder their steps echoing down the narrow passageway until they reached the hatch violet grabbed the handle to open it and found that her siblings had each grabbed a handle too so that all three children turned the handle together and opened the hatch together and together they climbed out of the passageway down the outside of the submarine and lowered themselves onto the sand of Branny beach it was morning the same time of morning that it was as the last time the Baudelaire children children had been there receiving dreadful news about the fire and it was just as gray and foggy as that terrible day violet even saw the slender smooth stone on the sand and picked it up just as she had done a long time ago skipping rocks into the water without even imagining it would soon be what would soon be exploding it's in its terrible depths the siblings blinked in the blinked in the morning sun and felt as if some circle were about to begin all over again or some cycle was about to begin all over again one that one uh, that once more they would receive terrible news and that once more they would be taken to a new home and only have villainy surround villainy surrounding them once more as it happened to be so many times since their last visit to Briny beach just as you might be wondering as a baudelaire's terrible miserable story would begin over again for you with my warning that if you are you are looking for a happy ending you better be reading some other book it's not a pleasant feeling to imagine that the tables will never turn and that the tedious cycle will begin all over again and it made the baudelaire's feel passive just as they just as they had in the waters of stricken stream accepting that what happened without doing anything about what about it as they looked around at the unchanged shore 
Gak, Sunny said, which meant, look at that mysterious figure emerging from the fog. And the Baudelaire's watched that familiar shape step in front of them as he took off his top hat, coughing into a white handkerchief. Baudelaire's, Mr. Poe said when he was done coughing. Edgar, I can't believe it. I can't believe you're here. You? Klaus, you, Klaus said, gazing back at the banker in astonishment. You're the one we're supposed to meet? I guess so, Mr. Poe said, frowning and taking a, a crumbled piece of paper from out of his pocket. I received a message saying that you'd better be at Briny Beach today. Who sent the message, Klaus said. Mr. Poe coughed once more and then shrugged his shoulders wearily. The children noticed that he looked quite a bit older than the last time that they had seen him and wondered how much how much older they themselves looked. The message was signed J.S., Mr. Poe said. I hope that's a report from the Daily Punctilio. Geraldine, Geraldine Julian. How in the world did you get here? What in the world have you have you where in the world have you been i must admit baudelaire's i had given up hope of ever finding you again it was a shame to think that the baudelaire fortune would just sit in a bank gathering interest in dust well never mind that now you'd better come with me and my car my car's parked nearby you have a great deal of explaining to do no violet said no mr poe said in amazement as and coughed violently into his handkerchief of course you do you've been missing for a very long time children it's very inconsiderate of you to run away without telling me where you were, particularly when you've been accused of murder, arson, kidnapping, and some other assorted misdemeanors. We're going to get you right into my car, and I'll drive you to the police station, and no, Violet said again. As she reached into her pocket of her uniform, she held up the telegram to her siblings and read, at the pink hour when the eyes, when the eyes and back turn upward from the desk, when the human eyes engine waits like a poetry throbbing party that's what the telegram says she paused and scanned the horizon at the beach something caught her eye and she gave her siblings a faint smile the real poem she said goes at the violet hour when the eyes eyes and back turn upwards from the desk when the human engine waits like a taxi throbbing waits the verse fluctuation declaration klaus said codes and he said what are you talking about mr poe said what is going on the missing words, Violet said, her siblings, her sibling, to, Violet said to her siblings, as if the coughing banker had not spoken, are Violet in taxi and waiting not supposed to be, supposed to go with Mr. Poe? We're supposed to get in a taxi, she said, pointing across the beach, and the children could see, scarcely visible in a fog, a yellow car parked nearby. The Baudelaire's nodded, and Violet turned to address the banker at last. We can't go with you, Violet said. There's something else we need to do. Don't be absurd, Mr. Post sputtered. I don't know where you've been or how long you've been here or where, or why you're wearing a picture of Santa Claus on your shirt, but it's Herman Melville, Klaus said. Goodbye, Mr. Poe. You are coming with me, young man, Mr. Poe ordered. Sayonara, Sunny said, and the three Baudelaire's walked quickly across the beach, leaving the banker coughing in astonishment. Wait, he ordered, but when he put his hand, handkerchief away, come back here, Baudelaire's. Your children, your youngsters, your orphans. Mr. Poe's voice grew fainter and fainter as the children made their way across the sand. What do you think the word violet means? Klaus muttered. The taxi isn't purple. More code, Sunny said. Maybe, Violet said, or maybe Quigley just wanted to write my name. Baudelaire's. Baudelaire's, Mr. Poe's voice was almost inaudible as if the Baudelaire's had dreamed he was there on the beach. Do you think he's in the taxi waiting for us, Klaus said? I hope so, Violet said and broke into a run. Her siblings hurried behind her as they stepped across the sand, her boots showering sand with each step. 
Quigley, she's quig, Quigley, she said quietly, almost to herself, as if she said it louder. And then she said it louder, Quigley, Quigley. The last of the Baudelaire's, at last the Baudelaire's reached the taxi, but the windows of the car were tinted, a word here which means darkened so that the children could not see what was inside. Quigley, Violet asked as the door swung open, but the children's friend was not inside the taxi. In the driver's seat was a woman that the Baudelaire's had never seen before, dressed in a long black coat, buttoned up all the way to her chin. On her hands were a pair of white cotton gloves, and in her lap were two slim books, probably to keep her company while she waited. The woman looked startled when the door opened, but she spied the children and nodded politely and gave them a very slight smile, as if she were not a stranger at all, but also not a friend. The smile that she gave them was one that you might give an associate or another member of the organization in which you belong to that said, hello, but oh, and said, hello, Baudelaire's, and gave the children a wave, climb aboard. The Baudelaire's looked around at one another cautiously. They knew, of course, that one should never get into a car with a stranger, but they also knew that such rules never necessarily applied in taxis when the driver is almost always a stranger. Besides, when the woman had lifted her hand to wave, the children had spied the name on the books that she'd been reading to pass her time. They were two books. Uh, they were two books of verse, The Wallace and the Carpenter, and the other poems, and other poems by Lewis Corral and The Wasteland by T.S. T.S. Eliot. Perhaps if one of the books had been Edgar Guest, the children might have turned around and walked back to Mr. Poe, but it is rare in this world to find somebody who appreciates good poetry and the children allowed themselves to hesitate. Who are you, Violet finally asked. The woman blinked and gave them a, and then gave, the woman blinked and then gave the children her slight smile once more as if it had She'd expected the Baudelaire's to answer the question themselves. I'm Kit Snicket, she said, and the Baudelaire orphans climbed aboard, run, turning the tables of their lives and breaking their unfortunate cycle for the very first time. Little Miss Kit, Kitty Cat Snicket. Peyton, the Baudelaire's found Cat Snicket. Cool, huh? Is that good? Yep, okay, good. Are you ready to get up and start getting ready? No, okay, all right.